So we're talking about the supernatural spiritual processes that God uses to transform our lives. And how many thank God you're saved tonight? Amen. Let me try that again. How many glad you're saved tonight? Yes. I want you to um, just kind of remind yourself of what those are. If you haven't written those down, I want you to write them down because I want you to be meditating on these. That first process, of course, is uh, your salvation. We are saved from sin, amen? It's consequences, amen? The consciousness as well as the control of that sin. We are very blessed because of it. Say it with me, salvation. And then uh, shortly we'll be talking about justification. The concept is a instantaneous, but it's also a, a process that... Uh, we become more and more aware of who we are in Christ and the same mentality and consciousness gives way to a righteousness consciousness. And when that righteousness begins to develop on the inside of us, it has certain great benefits. For example, how many know the, the righteous are as bold as lions? So if you think about your life right now and you're kind of intimidated and you're kind of weak and kind of backward and you're not one to actually, you know, speak up and speak out when it's the right time to do so, of course, being led by the Spirit of God. If the boldness is not there, it's not because you're not a bad person. You know, it's not because, you know, you're not saved. It's not because you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's just you lack some revelation of your justification. And boy, when you figure out who you are, it makes you bold. It makes you courageous. You know, it makes you really, you know, intense and passionate in terms of your walk with God. And then beyond uh, justification is a thing called adoption. Thank God we're his kids. Hallelujah. Amen. Say it. I am not an orphan. I, not I have a daddy. Have a and his name is the Lord. Amen. Let me stop and think sometime about the reality of having a father. And your father is the creator of the universe. All the little things that we seem to be worried about kind of melt away, don't they, in the light of that revelation. So thank God we're adopted. Amen? Amen. Adoption, it will be followed by sanctification in terms of our teaching and our series here. Sanctification, uh, separating from sin and unto God for His purposes. It's instantaneous. It's salvation. It's progressive. It's ongoing. Uh, we're not where we need to be or should be, but we're not where we used to be. Amen. And we're growing. And uh, it's interesting that uh, any time you talk about a move of God, there's never been a move of God anywhere recorded where it did not include deep repentance by the people that were involved in it. And so you will always see this sanctification process going on. I'm, I'm meditating on uh, Scripture in Acts chapter 3, you know, when Peter was preaching after the, the beggar was healed at the Temple Gate Beautiful, the Spirit of the Lord directed him to talk about the importance for the people to repent to turn from their sins. Yes. And when they did, the Bible speaks of times of refreshing coming from the Lord. But notice that the times of refreshing are on the heels of what? Repentance, Repentance and turning, right? Not just, I'm sorry, oops, I made a mistake, but turning from that sin. And then times of refreshing come from the Lord. And what's interesting is after that verse, the Bible talks about the returning of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many like to speed up the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> Uh, well, when you see times of refreshing, that tells you that, uh, you know, on the heels of that, you're going to have this, this, this massive miracle of the Lord's return and God's people in victory. Uh, you'll see his rapture. You'll see his resurrection of the dead. And, um, but all that is predicated on times of refreshing. Don't you like times of refreshing? And don't make the mistake of thinking that if you can't get to Asbury, you can't be refreshed. It's God doing the work. And he doesn't have a temple in Asbury. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This is always something that's always necessary for spiritual leaders of the fivefold ministry to make sure people understand. Now, is God doing something? Yes, there's no reason why you can't enjoy that. And if you get to go, a bunch of ministers in our fellowship actually are going there tomorrow. They live in that area. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. But don't, get, don't start thinking that God is territorial. That's right. That's right. If you turn from your sin... I don't have any sin. Well, that's a whole other sermon, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> One on pride, amen, self-awareness. Uh, you turn from your sin, right? You repent and turn from your sin. Can you have times of refreshing? Yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. amen. So don't relegate things just to a moment in time and a, a geography. Uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your Lord, amen, your Savior, uh, is with you now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But what does a stirring like that do? Listen very carefully. 
it raises the consciousness level of a people that God is actually there. Yes. He's always been at the chapel in Asbury. He's been in this building. He's been with us every time we meet. How do we know that? Not because of a mystical experience, but because the Scripture tells us where two or three are gathered together in His name. So we're not talking about whether He was there or there. We're talking again about the manifestation. We're talking about the glory of God. Watch this. The glory of God is not the knowledge that He is there. It is the manifestation, amen, of His power, His presence, and His goodness. And that's what they're experiencing. And how does that happen? Not that we suddenly think God moved in. Guess what? Where His people have met, regardless of background and denomination, He's always been there. And He's here. But what is, uh, what is according to that scripture, think about this, what is, what is one thing that actually increases our consciousness or our awareness of His existence and the reality that He is there? You might put it like this. Uh, sin actually blocks our consciousness. The problem, in other words, the problem's not on the God end. Say it with me, God's not the problem. It's not God. It's not the Word. That leaves us. Usins, use guys. Amen. So it's very important to understand this, that uh, He is operating, He is moving. And uh, one of the things that these spiritual experiences and processes do is they heighten our awareness. And so sanctification becomes real important. But you, you won't find, you do any reading on revivals in the history of the church, you won't find a single one where it was not emphasizing sanctification and holiness and repentance. And everybody's in a different place. Everybody's got different things going on in their lives. At the end of the day, it comes down to us repenting for anything that con is contrary to His Word, but oftentimes it's coming out of love. And so when you think about the move of God, it's not going to stay there. Uh, those of us that are spirit-filled can discern this thing. We know that it's not God's intent to do something and then stop there. He intends on spreading this all over the world. The Bible says the earth will be filled with His glory. And I know you think that Kentucky is heaven on earth. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But it's not just isolated uh, to Kentucky. Tennessee needs Him real bad. Amen. And let's not even get started about Arkansas. Glory to God. So, uh, we, need we need the Lord. And so uh, these things become incredibly important. Not doctrines in a book, but living processes yes. that God uses to transform us. Um, you'll never find anybody in Scripture where they wholeheartedly repented before the Lord that God didn't do something amazing. How many know there was a day when Hezekiah's number was up? Yep. Yep. How many know when the prophet of God says, hey, guess what? It's over. What did he do? He put his face to the wall. And if you remember the narrative, how far out did Isaiah get before he had to go back in and give him another word? Amen. That's how powerful repentance, that's how powerful humility is in the eyes of God. Uh, some people see it and some people just defend the things that they're doing, the things they're involved in. It's a day where we're seeing a lot of people defend and stand up for their error instead of stand up for the truth. And I want to caution you about that, that when Jesus was asked about the last days, his, his disciples wanted to know, you know, what's going to be the sign that these things are coming to pass? And he didn't give them one sign. He actually gave them multiple signs. Put it to you this way, in Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. God revealed this and showed this through Rick Renner's ministry. He literally means there that these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs, in this case, means God's signature. You preach the Word, and God will sign it with signs and wonders and miracles. In other words, I authenticate this. I endorse this. This is of me. This is my, my signature. Well, one of the first signs that Jesus mentioned to was deception. That the people who should not be deceived are capable of being deceived. And so uh, I, you, you think about that. And how many understand deception is on the rise in the body of Christ? Yeah. I mean, um, I love how he also put that word deception, how he explained that deception. They enter into deception, which means they've moved from a path that they've been walking down over and over again so that it's a well-worn path in their life. They know it. In fact, they can go down that path, you know, in the dark, blindfolded because they know it so well. And it means to slowly depart from the well-worn path that you've been on all the days of your life. Listen to me carefully. This is not a time to depart from the things of God. 
And I will tell you this, 99.99% of the time, I don't want to say all the time, but when somebody's entering into deception, one of the first things they'll do is they'll cut themselves off from any spiritual accountability and any spoken word into somebody's life. And that tells me when they don't want to hear, amen, it tells me deception is operating big time. Now, you can't do anything about anybody else, but you can do everything about yourself. Come on, say it. Stay teachable, stay pliable, stay correctable, Stay humble because, uh, you know, you'll find yourself down that road of deception. You only realize what happened until you're halfway down that road. Stay on the well-worn path. Amen. Stay on the path of victory. Stay on the path that God has for you. Amen. Um, it's important to do this. So sanctification is, is critical. Next is impartation. Uh, we make no apology about what this is. This is the, the empowerment that comes from the Spirit of God. It, uh, it comes on the heels of salvation, but it's a separate experience from salvation. How many of you thank God for the Holy Ghost? Yes. And I say, I thank God, I thank God. For, the Holy Ghost. for the Holy Ghost. But something that the, the word that came through Jackie just a moment ago, just, just really I appreciate because uh, there are too many spirit-filled believers that are backward or ashamed or timid about these things. Mm -hmm. And God's wanting to loose your tongue. I said, God's wanting to loose your tongue. That's right. God's wanting to make you bold, unapologetic. Other people say, well, you're just freaky and you're just weird. No, I want to remind you that 100% of the early church was baptized in the Holy Ghost and they all spoke in tongues. Yes, There's nothing for you to be ashamed of. That's right. And you'll find out that one of the reasons the devil will come after you to shut you down is he wants to shut down the work that actually happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost. That's right. You're attracting the best of God into your life. You're praying the perfect will of God when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Everything you pray in the Spirit comes to pass. If you're the devil, you don't like that. And so people will use being uncomfortable and religion and legalism, the attitude of other people, you know, the scoffers. Listen, we're too late into this to care about what people think anymore. Can I have a better amen than that tonight? So we're looking for impartation. And we need to, you know, rejoice in what we had. Many, many of you can remember the exact time or day where you were when you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. But that wasn't supposed to be the end of this thing. Just like sanctification, impartation is not one and done. You and I need more impartations of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, be being filled. The expectation of the apostles is that you keep on being filled with the Spirit. The apostles in Acts chapter 2 were baptized in the Holy Ghost, but then the Bible speaks very early right after that in, in the narrative how they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It didn't happen just one time. In other words, there's one you know, you know, supreme filling in terms of that experience, but then there are refillings. And there's nothing sadder or deader than a Pentecostal who leaks. Amen. Glory to God. So what? Stay filled. Yes. Be filled yes. with the Spirit of God. The impartation is so important. So how many will believe with me that every person who's a part of Hope Harbor gets baptized in the Holy Ghost yes. and is not ashamed to use Amen. what God yes. gives them? Amen. I don't know when that'll be. It's up and coming in you know, weeks or whatever God has for us. But that's going to be a time where we expect every single person. And we expect your parents and grandparents to go back and lay your hands on those kids. Amen. Because I'll tell you something, more than ever, we need our kids baptized in the Holy Ghost. We need supernatural supervision over our children. As parents and grandparents, we're good, but we're not that good. Amen. Nothing will keep that child preserved, no matter what comes out their way to tempt them, like that impartation. Everybody say, thank God, thank God. For, the for the Holy Ghost. Come on, say it again. Thank God, thank God. For, the for the Holy Ghost. Then the teaching on classic redemption how many glad you've been redeemed from the curse? Redemption is the next process. It's instantaneous. Of course, we've been redeemed by the blood. We've been bought back. We've been redeemed from the curse, which is very real. Write this down. The curse involves spiritual death, sickness and disease, number two, and number three, poverty. Jesus has addressed all those by going to the cross for you and for me. And it is spiritually true that, that spiritual death and sickness and disease and poverty are all results of the curse. But because of the blood of Jesus, the blessing has been restored. Amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're blessed? Yes. Come on, say it boldly. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. Come on, everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. I can't be cursed. I've been redeemed, been redeemed from the curse. From the curse. 
So as things as simple as this, you have influences in the body of Christ saying, well, there's no such thing as a blessing. Well, I wonder what Bible you're reading. Because listen carefully, the, the entirety of the Bible record is a story about the blessing. The blessing bestowed in Genesis 1, emphasized in Genesis 2, the blessing lost in Genesis 3, and the blessing restored as demonstrated through Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. The entirety is about the blessing restored. God has wanted us to be restored to that right place from that very moment. And He knew from the beginning, and He had a plan from the beginning. How many thank God for the blood of Jesus? I guess what I'm saying to you is don't let somebody talk you out of the blessing. When they, they talk contrary to the blessing of God, the empowerment of God, you just raise your voice all the more. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to open up a, a can of Bartimaeus on that thing. And just do what? <laughs> just shout all the more. Amen. And the devil tells you you're not blessed. You know, you're just ordinary. You'll never be anything. You'll never do anything. No, you say I'm blessed. Which means what? You're not going to walk around in spiritual death, but you're going to walk in life and life more abundantly to the full Till it overflows. He came that you might have life. You're not going to walk around sickly and diseased. You're going to be strong in the Lord. Amen. You're going to experience divine health when you need it. You're going to you're in divine healing when you need it. You're going to experience divine health as a static state for yourself. And divine life's going to come through you to other people. It's so exciting to see that people getting filled with the Spirit will go throughout the land and people will just be healed as they contact these folks. Supernatural things will begin to happen. You know you're very, very close when you see just the, the average church tender wherever they go, the power shooting out of them. The devil's days are numbered at that point in time. Um, you've heard me say this. If I've said it once, I've said it probably a hundred times in the past couple of years. This is not an awakening or revival of the fivefold ministry. No, that's right. That's right. This is a revival and an awakening of the people of God. We will guide, we will lead, we will help, we will support, we will teach, we will train. But God is raising up the people themselves. This is a day where just like in Acts chapter 7 and 8 where people were persecuted for preaching the gospel, they went and wherever they went, the power of God moved, they preached Christ and then supernatural miracles came. God put a signature on that. That's what you're going to be doing. Uh, you're going to have the message of redemption on your lips. Amen. Yes. You have the fire of God in your eyes and you're going to have the power of God on your hands. Yes. And great things are going to happen. But it takes some changing of your mentality. Well, that's what the evangelists do. That's what the apostles do. No, that was a mistake from the beginning. Our job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you're not equipped for ministry just because somebody put a, you know, a shovel or a broom in your hand. You know, you're equipped for ministry. Go do your ministry, darling. No, you're equipped for ministry when you're able to do what? Cast out devils. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Freely you've received, freely give. And you can't do that without a working knowledge of, of what redemption actually is. So say it with me. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. And I'm continuing and I'm in the process of that redemption. I don't know about you, but I'm just preaching myself happy tonight. I just enjoy hearing about what God's doing. Amen. And guess what? This isn't like tag teaming these processes. It's not one than the other. They all work simultaneously He's at work inside of you doing the things he said he would do. And he who began a good work in you, can you expect all these to be complete? Yes. Yes. And of course, that last process we'll deal with is called glorification. That is the supernatural restoration of the manifest presence of God, his presence, power, and goodness on his people that was actually lost in the garden. And it is going to culminate in a day when there will be a trumpet sound. Yes. Amen. <laughs> it's all real. Yes, it is. The dead in Christ shall rise. Yes. And then we which remain will be caught up in the clouds. Amen. Um, no, there's no technical word rapture in Scripture, but there is Greek you know, terminology for this experience, the catching away of the church, however you want to call it. It's very, very real. And you'll find today the devil's attacking the doctrine of heaven and hell. The devil's attacking the doctrine of rapture. And I just, I'm just waiting on the Lord on this, but I can't wait to preach the message transformed by the rapture. Because it does something. When you are expecting Him to come, yes. you're expecting Him yes. to move at any moment in time, you live differently. Yes, you, you think differently. Yes. You operate differently. So I can see why the devil would attack this. Oh, there's no hell. Well, then there's, there's no, you know, no possibility for me going there, obviously. There's no devil. Well, that works for the devil if you believe there's no devil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
But the rapture is real. Yes, it is. And the apostle said, he who hath this hope in himself purifieth himself. And the further you move from a conviction there is one, the less pure you will live in terms of the walk with God. So it's very dangerous. And uh, I just, I get, I get a kick out of things that I've been listening to. I told the staff this morning in prayer that uh, I caught this guy and, and he was just all excited. He was preaching at a conference of some, some group of Pentecostals. And the more he preached on this, the more the crowd just came alive and would shout and would scream. And they're having a good time. You say, what was he preaching about? Salvation? Nah. What was he preaching about? Sanctification? Nah. What was he preaching about? Redemption? Nah. What was he preaching about? Evangelism and missions? Nah. What was he preaching about? He was preaching about it's a sin for men to have facial hair. An entire sermon dedicated. That's right. Gary's going to hell and Bryce is going to hell. And anybody else here with facial hair, you're going to hell. And I'm thinking about 2023 with everything going on in the world. That's what I'm going to get up and speak to a bunch of people about is the fact that it's a sin to have facial hair. Well, excuse me, but I need chapter and verse. I'm also concerned about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus, and Paul having facial hair. There's no hope for any of us. So gentlemen, these are anointing words for you. Amen. It's time for you to get waxed. Hallelujah. So you too can go to heaven. And I'm sorry, but I'm like, you know, there's just a few more important things, more important things than that to be concerned about. Amen. Let's my brother-in-law out and all the tribe of Judah people out. You know, people just must, must study Goofy to be that Goofy. And the other guy that I recently ran into, he was teaching this big, big teaching. And it's not a new doctrine where if you die as a believer, you go to the ground and you sleep. Um, and that's where you stay. And you have no consciousness, no knowledge of what's going on. So there are, you know, tens of millions of believers that are in the ground. And that's where they're at. They're, they're asleep. Missing the complete point that in Scripture, when somebody is asleep, we understand what's really going on. They're dead. But what about the dead? Well, I can't help but think about the transfiguration and transformation story that we're dealing with and the process of transformation. Who appeared with Jesus Moses. in the transfiguration? Uh, very much alive, not asleep in the ground. Moses and Elijah. And I think about Lazarus and the rich man. Very much alive. Watch this, both of them. Sinner and saint. Blessed and condemned. And I think about, you know, scriptures like absent from the body, present, present with the Lord. And I, I get them to scratch my head like, this is the best you can come up with? This is the priority right now with the world going to hell in a handbasket and the body of Christ confused? This is what you can come up with? Whiskers and sleep? How's that for a sermon title? Whiskers and sleep, bless God. What's the term to the sermon today? <laughs> um, excuse me, but when I read about the crucifixion and the thief looks over at Jesus and says, remember me? Remember from Sunday? He looked on the pole and what God placed on the pole and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus told him what? Today, today we shall sleep. Today. Watch us now. I either believe the guy on social media or I believe the words of Jesus Christ. You would think he would have read that story before he got on the air and started spouting off all this nonsense. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. So your loved ones are not in the ground. The natural flesh is in the ground. Their spirit man, the soul connected to the spirit man, is with the Lord. And one day there will be this resurrection where that body, amen, sown in decay and depravity will be raised in glory. Amen. Perfect. Yes. Amazing. Good glory. 
Praise Amen. God. And regarding the rapture, the Bible tells us the apostles said, encourage one another with these words. I tell you what's going to happen, brother. First of all, the Antichrist is going to begin to move and we're going to have seven years of hell on earth and you're going to have to go through it because you're nothing special. If everybody else has to go through it, then so do you. But glory to God, after that, God is going to catch you away. Good news. Amen. Be encouraged by that. <laughs> Does that sound consistent? No, Paul said he's not appointed you to suffer wrath. If you don't understand anything about the end times, understand this. The tribulation is wrath. Yes, it is. It is not the devil. Are you here tonight? It's not the world. It is the wrath of God. And you've not been appointed to suffer under it because somebody already suffered the wrath of God on your behalf. The substitutionary death of Christ, which is part of our justification teaching, He went to the cross so you don't have to. Amen. He holds the keys, amen, to victory, death, hell, and the grave. You and I are not subject to that. So He's going to catch us away. And we'll be up there. He'll be dealing with the, the rewards of the believer. And He'll be dealing with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, something very different is going down here. Now, I'll tell you what, if you're sitting in church and you hear that, you do not want to miss that trip. That's right. That's right. The last thing we need to be doing is telling people there's no rapture. That's right. Or they're going to be stuck here like everybody else. Let me tell you something. There is a blessing for obeying the one that God sent. Yes. Yes. Amen. But there are folks that just, uh, they just insist. And you know what? That's fine with me. If they want to hang around, go, go ahead. I don't think they'll have a choice. If they're really born again, they're going to be going. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going up. In the first load. Yes, amen. Glory to God. So I'm so happy to report to you that really God doesn't care if you have whiskers. Amen. You know, I'm, you some, some ladies have whiskers. So I guess they're out too. Bless their hearts. You know, somebody needs to write a book about all the stupidity that's come out in the past 10 years of the body of Christ. But uh, thank God that, amen, thank God that a man can still have a manly man beard like Gary over there and still go to heaven and praise the Lord. I think I'd rather... Listen to somebody just, just beat on the lid of a garbage can than to hear this nonsense that's out there. But, but it's there. So you're, you're receiving the Word, amen, and you're Sunday school and receiving the Word and church services and the priest's Word of God. You need to thank God what you're receiving is the Word. Yes, it is. And not a bunch of nonsense. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But uh, this is what we have to, you know, to, to focus on. This is what's out there. And there is a real glorification process in your life. Um, he is, uh, by definition, what's happening is in Asbury is a what? Not a theological doctrine of glory, but what? A manifestation of it. Now, what most people don't realize, and, I, and you guys will know this, uh, you know, Ashley and Bryce, but uh, this is nothing new for Bethel. It's like every week. It's like perpetual this way. But it happens to be a Pentecostal spirit-filled you know, absolutely on fire for God kind of a focus and uh, not everybody is thrilled with that kind of a move of God. But guess what? When the Spirit begins to move, He didn't ask permission. That's right. Once He's invited in, He didn't care about the gatekeepers at that point in time. He's, he's there. Amen. And aren't you glad He's doing that in your life? So uh, when we talk about glorification, not just to rehash everything that we've talked about before, but just to understand this, that... Uh, See it as instantaneous at salvation and also as progressive, that He's still moving in your life. And we need to expect every day that He's going to move more in us, you know, in terms of the manifested glory and power and goodness of God. We should be increasing in His goodness. Yes. Amen. Increasing in His power, increasing in terms of His, His presence. And that's probably the thing that I think right now, from what I'm hearing from pastors I know that have been there, is the most substantial thing is just this, this heaviness, weightiness, presence of God that is there and the brokenness that's producing. The, when the presence of God moves in, all pretending goes away. You can't pretend and lie to yourself in that kind of presence. So think about this in terms of sequencing. There's, 
There's going to be repentance. There's going to be turning from sin. And then there's going to be times of refreshing like we've never seen before. Would you all be okay if the Lord did that here? Yes. Would you be okay if the Lord said sovereignly, I want to use this part of the country, this part of this county? Well, um, he's he's doing this. He's doing great things. Um, I don't believe this is like when uh, Dr. Cho was, was visited by the Lord and uh, the Lord said, I want you to point to a map of America. And that's where I'm going to move. And the Spirit of God directed him to stick his finger on Pensacola, Florida. And he did. And I believe it was about six months later that thing broke out in 1995. Um, yeah, here's how I see this. I don't see his finger on Pensacola. I see his hands thrown all over the map. Just like this. Are you ready for this? Not a well, but thousands and thousands of wells. And we just need to be prepared for that. So what he's doing in us uh, consistently, we need to understand and appreciate. Salvation was not a one-time event for you. The scripture says you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to understand this justification was instantaneous through the blood of Jesus, but it's progressive in terms of it's transforming your mind, your mindset. Um, you know, you, you meditate just briefly on the fact that he went to the cross for you. Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but, but imagine this, that every sin that was ever committed before that day and after that day was simultaneously placed on him. Every oppression, every sickness, every disease, every sorrow, every grief, every range of debilitating human experience was put on him at the same It's amazing he could even breathe one breath with the weight of that on him, let alone make it on the cross. And he bore all that for you and for me. This is why we need to be motivated to not let religious people talk us out of what he went through to give us and grant right. us. These things are empowering for us. It calls our faith to grow and expand. Our excitement level should be high that, you know, the the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for you and for me, it's huge. Amen. So enjoy it, but let it transform you in your thinking, transform you in terms of your understanding, and the rest is history. So what I want to do tonight, not spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to take down these seven keys, you know, for working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I want to, you know, point this scripture out to you again. Philippians 2.12, For my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a silly thing to say to somebody if salvation is just a one-time experience. The Philippians were already saved. Say it with me, the Philippian church. It was the gathering of the saved at Philippi. So we know whatever he's talking about is not that one-time experience, but he's talking about the process type or aspect of your salvation. And um, to do so with, with fear and trembling, not that you're afraid of God, but in all seriousness, sobriety and honor towards the Lord. To, to operate in the fear of the Lord is to fear Him enough to obey Him, that you reverence Him and love Him and honor Him and respect Him enough to do what He tells you to do. So being forgiven is a wonderful thing, but aren't you glad there are many dimensions and aspects of your salvation? And you grow in your salvation, first by revelation and then by application. And, of course, you see the thing begin to show up and operate in your life. Well, how does that happen? Um, how many know people in the body of Christ are perfectly happy to be saved, and that's about all they have an appetite for? Yeah. 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 Hmm? And there are some people that are saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and that's all the appetite they have. Turn to somebody and tell them, i got a big appetite. Say it like this, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> Say it again, I am hungry. I want the whole thing. There are some people that go to the store line stockade and they just get a little bowl of soup and a little bit of salad. <laughs> I take it that's not Steve, right? He's, he's hungry. And there are people that get the full salad bar and the full buffet and the order of steak and they want the roll and they go back for dessert three times. Why? Here's the, here's the question for you. Is the price not the same? Yeah. 
Yes. It's right. It is. Is it not the same? It is. Whether you go one time or five times. That's right. It's the same. <laughs> in the uh, in Christmas time, over Christmas break, and in the summer, uh, you know, me and several other swimmers would train with the SIU college swimming team, SIU University. And uh, on Saturday mornings, one of the things we would do is we hit a couple of establishments. One was Mary Lou. She was famous for French toast, and we all enjoyed going there. And um, that was just like a staple on, the, on the, you know, Illinois Avenue in, the, in Carbondale. But there was this one place on the corner there near the university where it was all you could eat pancakes. Oh, dear. Now, all I can tell you is after a two-hour practice up at the university, uh, we were all hungry. Very, very hungry. And, and so they had, you know, the bacon, they had, you know, the sausage, and they had all the good stuff, and they had all the pancakes you could possibly eat. And uh, a couple hours later, <laughs> the manager came up to our tables and said, you all have to leave. <laughs> we were literally kicked out because we kept going and going and going and going. Well, you said all you could eat. And I know I said that, but you got to leave. <laughs> You stay much longer, I won't have any food for the rest of the week, so y'all got to go <laughs> and get out of here. Some people are hungry. That's it. Mm-hmm. Don't diminish your hunger by the lack of someone else's hunger. Amen. 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 If they don't want it, they don't have to have it. That's right. And there are some people that, hey, you know, they'll take salvation, but they want nothing to do with the things of the Spirit, and they'll think you odd and weird, and somehow the rest of us odd and weird if we do, no. You don't judge what you can have and receive based on the appetite of somebody else. I want to see your appetite go where it's never gone before. Amen? Just push the envelope. Hungry. Brother Copeland recently said, he said, I'm the hung- you're looking at the hungriest man of God, for God in the country. I think he actually said the word. That's how hungry he is for the things of God. Now to be, is he 86 now? I think somewhere there. To be at that age and still be that hungry, it tells you something. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them there's more. There's more. Come on, say there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. But if you won't pick up the fork and eat, I will say this: God's not going to force feed you. That's it. Amen. So, in addition to your forgiveness, there is this buffet of wonderful things that God has. And uh, we just can't, you know, wave a magical wand that are going to come into your life. You're going to have to work out your salvation. Now, don't confuse us with works. You don't work to get saved. You work because you're saved. But you work your faith and you work your love walk and you work the things of God to tap into further things because you're hungry. You know, when someone's hungry, they go to work. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's what happens. And, and it's not bad to have lack if it motivates you to do what? To do something about it. Doing something useful with your hands so you can have something to share with us. So you can actually be a sower. So these, these keys that I don't want to spend a lot of time on, one is we've, we've covered this in various series through the years, but there are a lot of people that are new to the harbor, people that are just getting their feet wet in these things. They need to know these things and, and be fully developed in these things. If you're going to say, hey, there's more out there, well, then how do I tap into it? So write these down. Number one is information. You have, you have got to expose yourself to what God says about that topic. So let's say I want something in terms of the things of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So let's say I'm, I'm believing God for a healing, or I'm believing God for a direction, or I'm believing God for a promotion, or I'm believing God for a financial breakthrough. You've got to find the place where it is written about those things, And watch what I'm saying to you. The foundation of you being able to go to God, you are a child of God by virtue of the new birth. You have a right to ask for that. But you have to do what? You have to work out your salvation with with fear and trembling. So what do you do? You incline your ear to what the Word says. There are too many people, even in churches like ours, that end up inclining their ears to people who speak contradictory things into their life. You can't expect that. There's nothing in the atonement but the forgiveness of sins. Well, that's a, that's a demonic lie trying to hold you back from what God said you can have. Mm-hmm. Amen. There is every provision and promise in salvation. Once you have the new birth, you have a right to ask God for the things associated with being a son or daughter in the Lord. That's right. But you're going to have to find out what he says. 
Not what religion says. Find out what the Word says. You know, the Word says, I've never seen God's, what? People forsaken or his seed? Begging bread. The scripture is, is, is just, you know, absolutely filled with references to believing God for provision or believing God for healing. You know, if I'm believing God for healing, I don't want to hear about the time that, you know, we've all prayed for Aunt Martha and she didn't make it. I want to hear what God has to say about the subject. Because we all have stories. Listen to me carefully. Your story is neither truth nor anointed. Your story is experience in a fallen world among fallen creatures. And you have to realize that if you're going to get the truth, you're not going to get it from somebody's story. In other words, a thousand people can die when you pray for them, but that should not be the basis of your theology. What did God say? As a baby Christian, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I read Acts, and I noticed something stunning. Jesus never turned anyone away when he was asked to heal them. Not one time. To develop a theology that God doesn't care about physical things, amen, from the silence of Scripture is a terrible thing to do. Scripture speaks. He's a Savior. He's a forgiver. He's a healer. But you need to do what? Find the place where it is written. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by where God. And if you really want to, to tap in, so let's just say that you're working on a healing. It could be for you. It could be for somebody else in your family. But you're believing God. Say it, I believe I receive. I believe you're praying in the Holy Ghost as well as listening to what the Word says on that. That's it. That one-two punch is going to position you to believe God for whatever it is that's in that salvation mixture that you're currently missing in your life. Now, there's going to be a day that all of us are, are promoted. Um, everything I'm saying to you tonight about working out your salvation will be completely a moot point because it would have been completed. There'll be a day where you'll never have anything that creaks or pops or cracks. <laughs> there won't be any diminishing of sight or hearing, amen, or taste. There won't be any diminishing of function. 100% absolute perfect. But the religious mistake is to say that people have to wait to heaven to enjoy any of his healing power on this earth. Why does he heal? He's interested in you living out your days, doing what you're called to do. And if you're not careful, you're listening to the wrong thing, and faith won't come, but fear will come, doubt will come. Do you know that doubt and fear come the same way that, that, that hearing comes? Faith. Faith comes by hearing, so does fear come by hearing. So turn your, uh, your ears away from that and do what Proverbs says. Incline your ear, bend your ear to the truth and get the information on that. Um, if you're like me, when you got born again, you didn't know much. And the reality is we all don't know as much as we think we know. But we're growing, aren't we? Amen? So find the place where it is written about anything you're wanting to see God do in terms of your salvation. Why do I say that? Because salvation denotes forgiveness and preservation, and protection, and healing, and provision, and deliverance, and guidance. Everything that you can think of is part of that salvation. Anything that pertains to wholeness or soundness is part of your salvation. Now, I wish that we just got everything the day we got born again. It didn't happen. And if it did for you, I want to talk to you after service and we can compare notes. Amen. <laughs> And then I'm going to get your autograph as well because, because you are a species that I've never met before. But guess what? Salvation denotes all of that and includes all of that. So the right attitude is to say, you know what? I may not be walking it right now, but I know in the direction I need to press. Rather than I got saved, but this didn't happen, so it must not be real. Never use your life or someone else's as a basis of your theology. You'll be discouraged, amen, or worse. It's the Word of God. Number two is meditation. Now that you have some information, meditate on what those things say. The meditation will be important because it's, it's a big process of, of renewing your mind, Romans 12. Um, if you don't think about, if you don't apply the Word to you, then you're not going to be renewing your mind enough to actually get in a position to believe those things. And I'm going to tell you what, if you were taught that uh, if you're not 
instantly baptized in water, you will not go to heaven. And you've been taught that for 30 years. It's going to take some time to renew your mind. Are you here? If you've been taught that God doesn't heal anymore, you've been taught there is no such thing as a present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost, it's going to take some time for you to meditate and renew your mind to actually overcome the barrier of that doubt, fear, and unbelief. Um, raise your hand if you've had to unlearn a few things since you've come to this church. I mean, some of you shot your arms up so fast, it's like your rotator cuff's going to fall off. I mean, <laughs> say it with me. I had to unlearn some things. And it hasn't stopped. Because the teacher of the church is the Holy Spirit, and he's still working on us, isn't he? Yes, all that means is you've been teachable. There's nothing, there's nothing more devastating and sad than to see somebody who's teachable for a season, and then all of a sudden they just stop. And it's usually because they gave their ear to things that were not scriptural, not biblical, and certainly not sown in love. Amen. Say it with me. I can have what the Word says I can have. What's the point of making that confession every Sunday if you don't believe it? Amen. You can have what the Word, what the Bible says you can have. So say it would be information, meditation. Number three is revelation. When you meditate on those scriptures that you informed yourself about, you know, revelation is going to come. Personal understanding. You can't tap into different aspects of your salvation on my understanding. It's only going to happen when you personally understand. There is a day when I understood certain things and I tapped into that, but that doesn't mean I can make everybody else tap into it just by talking about these things. You've got to make up your mind that what your mind's being renewed to, you've got to get revelation from the Spirit of God and listen to what He has to say. And you can always tell when it's the Holy Ghost. It's going to come in peace. It's going to come in joy. It's going to come in victory, and it's going to come in love. I've said this a thousand times, you know, since I've been in the ministry, but when you are receiving somebody's doctrinal teaching and it comes off hateful and belligerent and y'all are stupid, you don't know anything, we're the only ones that got it right, you don't see love in that, you don't see someone trying to help somebody access what God said they could have, you'll know if the disposition is wrong, the doctrine is an error. We're not called to the unity of doctrine. We're called to the unity of faith. You cannot get anyone to agree on everything. Amen. You could put three of you here tonight and you wouldn't agree on everything. But can you agree that Jesus is Lord? Yes. Can you agree that Jesus died? Amen. And by His blood, He set you free? Yes. Can you believe there's a Holy Ghost? Yes. Can you believe there are benefits? Yes. Yeah. So... It's very important that, that you not only have information and meditation, you actually have personal revelation or understanding. Look at somebody and tell them, you have to understand for yourself. No matter how much ministers want you to have something, we cannot bestow it. All we can do is just share the pathway and the truth of God's Word on that. Once you have Revelation, you apply Mark chapter 11 and you take possession. Everybody say possession three times. Possession. You believe you have it when you pray. You don't believe you have it after you have it. See the difference? You can't do that without personal revelation. Once you have it, you now have possession where you believe, you receive, amen, when you pray, it's mine. And something rises up on the inside of it. You say, I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't need to know the particulars. All I know is it's mine in Jesus' name. Right, I have it. I'm walking it. It is mine in the name of Jesus. This is working out your salvation. Yes. Yes. Or you can just simply say, hey, God wants to do something in my life. He'll just do it. And that's the end of the story. No. He has put it upon you and me to press in and believe. How do you know that through Jesus Christ, the whole world has been reconciled, but... They have to turn to Him personally and repent and express faith. When you leave off the second part, you get into a doctrine known as universalism where God sent His Son and died for the world so that everybody now is saved. That is hugely an error and will be responsible for many people going to the other place when that was never God's will. Amen. Um, He's a good God. And He wants all to be saved. I uh, heard in person explain it like this, you know, if, uh, you know, you go out on a boat and the boat's starting to sink and you may even say to yourself, oh, I didn't even want to go out on this boat. I told them I didn't want to go out on the boat. 
It's like the person that says, I didn't choose to be born, so why would God send me to hell? How's that fair? Well, let's say you go out on a boat with family and you didn't want to go out on the boat, but the boat is sinking. But here comes another boat to rescue you. It's your choice to step onto that rescue boat That's right. or not. If you go down with your boat, that was your choice. It doesn't matter whether you thought you were supposed to be here or not. You're here. Look at somebody and say, too late, you're here. You're here. I highly advise you get on the boat that the Father sent. Amen. It's the SS Jesus Christ and nothing else is coming. Amen. Nothing else is coming. Amen. So what do I do? I, I now have possession. Um, one of the reasons that you possess your understanding that He has forgiven you and He's written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, how many you believe He actually is preparing a place for you? Yes. Why do you believe that? Because you've had revelation on that and you have possessed that. And think about it. Have we seen it yet? No. No, but we do have an inexpressible joy, amen, and peace over this. Glory to God. Next is confession. It's not enough to believe you receive it. Scripture tells us that we have to what? Say it. You declare what is yours in Jesus' name. Um, that's how you got forgiveness. That's how you got salvation in the first place. Listen carefully. There is no other system for tapping into the rest of your salvation. That's it. There's one salvation. One salvation pathway. Believe in your heart. And what? And mouth. say with your mouth. So if you have revelation and you really believe you're possessing something, you go around doing what? Sex. Talking like you have it. Mm -hmm. You go from maybe begging to thanking God. Amen. I thank God for this healing. I thank God for this deliverance. I thank God for this guidance. I thank God for this wisdom. I thank God for this financial breakthrough. Amen. I don't have to know how it's going to come. I don't have to know anything about the pathway. I just say, Thank you, Lord, for it, and I declare it, and I confess it, and I continue to do so. And confession is made unto salvation. salvation. Confession is made unto forgiveness of sins. Confession is made unto healing. Confession is made unto provision. Confession is made unto deliverance. Confession is made unto guidance. Whatever you need, confession has to be a big part of it. Yes. Amen. Uh, that's a decision. Well, I call it like I say in pastor. I don't believe in saying things that aren't true. They're, you're never more true in your speech than when you're confessing God's word. Amen. Amen. It is never a lie to confess what God says. Amen. Y'all say you're saved, but you're still here. You say you believe in heaven. Yes. You say you're going to heaven. Yes. Most of us, of course, have never been there. But you confess a reality in a place called heaven and a Savior who got you there. Is that a lie? It's not a lie because you are lining up with what the Word of God says. Say it with me. I'm not a liar. I'm, not a liar. I'm a truth teller. Next is action. Uh, confession is part of that, but it's not uncommon for the Lord to prompt some kind of action in your life in the direction of that salvation breakthrough. Who put it in the heart of the woman with an issue of blood to pursue Jesus? And as she went along her way, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, what will happen? I'll be healed. She kept saying to herself, the Greek says, if I so much as touch the hem of his garment. People make a big deal about the hem and what it represented. They make a big deal about the whole thing. But all we know she was thinking was what she said in that scripture. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And so she's prompted by the Spirit of God to do so, fights through the crowd, amen, sick as she was. And she had to basically violate the teachings of man to do so. Amen. She did. Reaches out and she receives supernatural virtue flowing into her body. Same thing with a man with uh, leprosy in uh, Luke chapter 17. They all get healed. Mm -hmm. yeah. But one had an inspiration. I should really go back and thank him yes. for this. And he did. The Bible says he couldn't stop thanking the Lord. Lord. Repeatedly, profusely, loudly, aggressively, amen, emotionally thanking the Lord. And the Lord said that his faith has made him whole or sound or well. He enjoyed more salvation than the other nine. Listen to me carefully. He enjoyed more salvation than the other nine. Doesn't make him bad people. No. But here's the deal. If the nine won't come back, don't let that stop you. Amen. Tap into what the other nine yes. won't. Yes. Amen. Yes. 
action. Where does that come from? I can't give you the action. Um, Ralph Duncan, who's a revivalist, pastors in Franklin, Tennessee, he, uh, he was, used to say this all the time, the miracle is in the command. So if in the process of salvation, he tells you to do something, what should you do? Good. Do it. Now, if there's something in the Word you know you're supposed to be doing associated with that, then by all means, do that. But if he tells you, press through the press and touch the hem of his garment. Go back and thank him. Go back and sow this seed. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because he's working for your good, not for your harm. Can I have an amen? And number seven is the thing we're all looking for is manifestation. That's not when you have now hope for it. It's what? If you're believing for a car, guess what? The car's in the driveway. If you're believing for a healing, you go for a checkup and guess what? It's confirmed you're healed. If you're believing for X amount of money for whatever project the Lord is leading you into, guess what? It shows up. Now watch what I'm saying. You don't get to dictate or determine how it's going to come to you. Do not put your faith in a methodology. That's not what the Word says. If it doesn't come in the form of a check in the mailbox, you're dating yourself. Amen. Now it can come electronically through a whole lot of different carriers. The church right now, the majority of income comes through a processor called Stripe through your electronic giving. Amen. Now some of you are going to put your faith and confidence in Stripe or send it that way. Do not put your faith in a method. But guess what? When it manifests, it's there. It's sitting on your table. It's in the bank account. It is there. It comes in the form of unexpected raises. And I hear the Lord saying this. There are inheritances in this room that are about to be received. There are blessings, things, incomes you don't have any idea about. They're coming your way. So rejoice and be glad that He's a, he's a God that provides for you. Amen. Well, you know, He seems to do it for other people and never does it for me. You know what you do? You take what you see God do in somebody else's life and you use it as a testimony in a test case. God, if you did it for them, you can do it for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Guess what? That scripture says, brethren, work out your what? You know what brethren means? It means people from the same womb, literally. If He did it for one child, He can do it for you as well. Oh, I'm just not that special in the eyes of God. You have no idea how special you are in the eyes of God. He made you unique. You're one of a kind. If you don't believe that, just ask Barbara about my mother. She's one of a kind. My dad said one time, well, you know, they broke the mold when they made your mother. I said, no, they didn't break the mold. He didn't use the mold. <laughs> that's truth. Mold, nothing, man. He just, that's it. This shall not be reproduced ever in the history of mankind. The reality is you're the same one. That's right. And the story continues. <laughs> Manifestation. On the heels, in the process of salvation, I promise you this, these are biblical principles that produce fruit in your life. But it's no longer out there in the spirit realm. The manifestation is where you have by faith taken what's in the spirit realm, which is the true realm. Yes. We are the copy realm in the natural. The real realm is in the spirit realm. And you pull it out by faith into this realm, and now you enjoy it. And you know what you should do at that point in time? You should thank God profusely. Just like the day you got saved. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for renewing my mind. Thank you, Lord, I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Lord. Now, when some other dimension of salvation enters into your life, you ought to thank Him just as profusely. And I promise you this, you'll just keep this thing manifesting and manifesting and manifesting. God expects that you enjoy all the dimensions of your salvation, not just get religiously locked into one concept where I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven. Well, praise the Lord, we want you to go to heaven. I mean, what good is it to have another dimension of heaven, right, and your salvation if you don't ultimately have the greatest dimension of your salvation? That's great that lepers got healed. But how many know that there's something better than the physical part there? I'm not saying they didn't get it eventually, but guess what? They didn't get it that day. Look at somebody and tell them, salvation is instantaneous. And it's a process. Say it with me. Information, meditation, revelation, 
possession, confession, action, and manifestation. Amen? What am, I, what am I telling you? I'm telling you to open up a can of Bartimaeus on that thing that you're believing God for. Just open up that can, amen? And don't be shouted down. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to tell you this. It's not just people that will try to steal your confession. Circumstances will. Listen, emotions will. You make sure that you don't allow anything to, to steal that voice that's crying out, amen, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice what Jesus asked him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Do you know he's still asking that question? What does a blind man need? He needs his sight. What does a lame beggar at the Temple Gate Beautiful need? In addition to being saved, obviously, he needs the dimension of salvation, physical restoration. Look at somebody and say, you know what? Come on, tell them. From now on, I'm going to open up a big can of Bartimaeus on that situation. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap and let's thank him for, for his word. We bless you, Lord.